we can rejoice in the light of Jesus Christ that has come and that is coming into the world. You know that in this Advent sermon series called Christmas Lights, we've been talking about the light of Jesus, particularly as it's told through John's gospel. Now the whole Christmas story is about the divine light of Christ coming into our world to bring men and women to his light of salvation. And boy, do we need salvation. Amen? Because ever since the fall of mankind in the Garden of Eden, the darkness of sin has cast a deep, dark shadow over the beauty of God's creation. And when God's divine light entered the world with the coming of Jesus, not everybody was happy about it. Most people don't like the light of Jesus to shine on the dark parts of their lives. We're afraid of what might be revealed. We might not even want to change. Here's the way John talks about this fact in his gospel in chapter 3, beginning in verse 19. He writes, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. You know, a world that's held in the clutches of sin and darkness cannot and will not tolerate the one who reveals its sinful heart. But this is self-defeating because living in darkness kills we cannot live without the light of life i used to watch this program on tv called the secrets of great british castles the host was dan jones and i remember in one episode he was at warwick castle in england And deep in the bowels of the castle was this special kind of a dungeon called the oubliette. It was this deep, narrow hole in the ground in which a prisoner was lowered. There were no windows. There were no doors. There was no means of escape. There was only this grate or a hatch high above the prisoner's head once they were down in the hole, way too far, way too high up there to ever have any hope of reaching. This hole was so narrow, it severely limited one's movement. You couldn't sit down. Sometimes you couldn't even turn. And once the prisoner was down in the oubliette and that grate was put in place, you were left there in complete and utter darkness. And you were forgotten about. That's where the name oubliette comes from, from the French verb to forget, oublier. What a horrible form of torture. It usually resulted in a prisoner going mad from the dark, isolating mental torture, as you might imagine. And as I was thinking about it, I thought, what a powerful metaphor that is for what Satan wants to do to God's beloved children. Satan wants to condemn us for our sins, sentencing us like prisoners to a dark, inescapable dungeon where he just forgets about us. 
But that's Satan's plan. That's not God's plan. In fact, in the preceding verses from John 3, we are told exactly what God's plan is. You know these verses. They are well loved. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. These are some of the most beautiful words in Scripture, aren't they? God loves the world so much. He loves you, he loves me, and this world that he created so much that he doesn't want anyone to be separated from him and to perish because of their sin. So he sent his one and only son, Jesus, into the world to save us. The light of the world was sent to save the world. And using this imagery of light and darkness, Jesus revealed God's will for all people, and it's embodied in a personal relationship with God's son, Jesus Christ. God is showing us how God shed light into our world that had been darkened by sin. You know, in just a few days, we're going to experience the winter solstice, aren't we? It's that day of the year in the northern hemisphere where the longest amount of darkness prevails. The short days at this time of year can be hard for many of us. The getting up in the morning and it's dark and leaving work in the evening and it's dark is, takes its toll. The lack of sunlight affects some people with a a thing called seasonal affective disorder or sad. Moodiness or being tired all the time or depression are symptoms. So imagine what it must be like for people who live way farther north in the northern hemisphere than we do here in Cincinnati, where the daylight hours are even shorter than they are here. There's a small city in Norway called Tromso. It is 1,100 miles north of the capital city of Oslo. It's the second most populated city north of the Arctic Circle on Earth. And at 200 miles north of the Arctic Circle, you better believe it's pretty far north. <laughs> the polar night there lasts from November to January. And during that time, the sun never, ever rises above the horizon at all. Carrie Leibowitz, an American health psychologist, spent a year living and studying the wintertime mindset of the people of Tromso as a Fulbright scholar. She went in with the idea of studying how the residents there endure the long, dark winter. But what she found was that her own upbringing here in the U.S., where most of us complain about the short days and the gloominess of winter, had perhaps colored her mindset. Carrie writes these words, in Tromso, the prevailing sentiment is that winter is something to be enjoyed, not something to be endured. According to my friends, winter in Tromso would be full of snow and skiing and the northern lights and all things coastling. That's a Norwegian word that means cozy. She writes, by November, open flame candles would adorn every restaurant, every, every cafe, every home, even the workplace. And over the following months, I learned firsthand 
that far from a period of absolute darkness, the polar night in Tromso is a time of beautiful colors and soft, indirect light. Even during the darkest times, there are still two or three hours of light a day as the sun skirts just below the horizon, never fully rising. And during those longer days of the polar night in November and January, the skies are filled with up to six hours of the colors of sunrise or sunset. Can you imagine the beauty of that for six hours a day? I found her research on wintertime mindset to be interesting. I think it's cool to to go about looking at how the day's lengthening darkness and and wintertime, if looked at from a more positive perspective and mindset, might actually help someone enjoy this time of year. But what I found even more compelling than changing our mindset about the physical realities of darkness is changing our mindset about the spiritual reality of darkness. Because you see, Jesus wants you to walk completely out of the darkness, which is nothing but bondage and death. And he invites you to step into his light, which shines on you with the gift of his forgiveness and grace. You see, there is no darkness at all that has the power and the strength to overcome Jesus' light. And when you step into Jesus' light, It is then, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you will be able to live the kind of life that Jesus wants you to live, holy and set apart from this world. Hear these words from Ephesians 5. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead. And Christ will shine on you. You know, being holy or set apart simply means living for God. It means living a life that gives glory to God, that points other people to God, that makes God famous. True holiness is living a life that is pleasing to God on every single level. It's a life lived in service to other people. It's a life that is all about spreading Christ's light and love to every single person you can. Kind of like that Christ candle on Christmas Eve that starts out as one small point of light and then spreads from person to person until the light fills the room and then we carry it into the world to share it with all people. True holiness also means allowing Jesus to shine his light into every part of your life, casting out anywhere that there is darkness so that he can bring healing and hope and health to every part of you. It means believing in him more than just intellectually, but also putting all your hope and trust in him that he alone is the savior, that he alone can save you. It means trusting him for the power to change you and to help you fully walk in the light and life that he so much wants to give each and every person. So let us worship God 
and the light and life that has been revealed to us in Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Lord, we worship you, and we give you thanks for the invitation to wake up from our slumber of darkness and death and step into your light. Thank you for the prophets that foretold the coming of Jesus into the world in such desperate need of a Savior. Thank you for loving the world so much that you sent your one and only Son. Thank you for the light of that bright star of Bethlehem that pierced the darkness of the sky on that night so long ago and shined your light of redemption upon the world. Help us, like the shepherds, to move toward the brightness of your light and to share it with others. For we pray these things through Christ our Lord, the light of the world. Amen.